just wonderfully speaking about and encouraging you into like what God might have plans for your life and purpose for your life and I, th- I think that's absolutely true. I just want to confirm that with you today but I want to confirm it from a really simple way. I don't want anybody to go away from here thinking my I can't be like this, I can't be like that, right? I'm going to tell you some people in the Bible who did things you probably never knew they did they're not heard of, they're not important people, but they were still used by God and they're recorded in here. And that's enough. That's enough that you get to heaven and somebody says, do you know what? They did this that day in history and it affected that person and that person and then a whole family. Can- you might not be the one who leads everybody to Christ, but you might be the one who starts it. I always remember Henry, uh, the I love Henry, and, he, and I might get emotional because Henry was a really, really close friend of mine, Italian guy, first guy who, who, uh, Italian in, a, in my dad and mom's church who got saved. And he came in, and, and, and almost all of his family came to the Lord through Henry. And somebody who ever witnessed to Henry, who ever brought Henry along, is never mentioned. Henry and the impact he had on his family and all of that, that's mentioned. But somebody invited Henry. And the whole Italian family got saved. And at his funeral, they, they got up and they testified. And one of them said that Henry was like the doorway into our family. Once he'd been saved, the door had been made ajar for our whole family to get saved. That wouldn't have happened without Henry. But somebody led Henry. And we don't know who that was. I don't know who it was. Does anybody know? But heaven knows. And that will never be forgotten. And you haven't be the one, got to be the one who does it with everything and everybody, but you might be the one who just does something. So I'm going to share a little bit of a, a journey with you of what this looks like to me. So when I was growing up, I mean, I'm sure you can do this. Tell me some of the main characters in the Bible, Old Testament. Who? Jonah, Moses, David, Ezekiel, Abraham, Daniel. Samuel, brilliant, all brilliant stuff. Samson, Jacob. It's ever so funny. I was brought up on those same characters. How many of you remember those characters? Do you remember we used to even have songs about some of the characters? Dare to be a Daniel. You know, I remember growing up always thinking, how am I ever going to be like these people? And you know, I used to have some strange thoughts as a child. You might never ever have imagined this at all. But I always thought to myself, do you know what? We remember the army when um, Goliath was there. And David comes along. And David overcomes, you know. We're all preached to about being the David. But I often imagine myself as the army, petrified. They were still Israel. They were still God's people. God still loved them. But the one we focus on is David. And sometimes you might not be the David. You might be the frightened army. And he still loves you. You're still part of his plan. Because you know when Goliath was defeated, it said that the Israelites fled. Sorry, that the the, um, Philistines fled and were chased off by who? Not by David. By the army. They went off and did the work. But sometimes we're in that place where we're not that one who has that courage. We're the one who has that sort of eager thing, you know. 
I'm often thinking of, of like when Israel were, were taken into captivity and the people we hear of in captivity were Daniel, were Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. These are the people we get told of. But there were thousands of Jews in captivity who had been told by God, you're not coming out for 70 years. Did you know that? You're not coming out. So I want you to go in there, build your houses, get your businesses, do, do ordinary stuff for 70 years. And but guess what? I'm with you. I'm with you. And sometimes we think we've got to be doing. I'm going to show you in a minute just what doing is in his kingdom. Because it's not all the Goliaths. We need Goliaths. Uh, Davids. We need Davids. We need Solomons. We need people of wisdom. We need, you know, leaders. But that doesn't disqualify everyone else. Can you put a verse up for me, Nick? It's Colossians 3, verse 17. Hi, Paul. Nice to see you. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Oh, bless. That's good. Helping one another. It's a great verse, isn't it, that says, do good especially to those of the household of God. It does. And you know what? That's recorded in heaven now. Not this, pre this preaching might be as well, but that is recorded in heaven. I always used to say to Paul, I don't know if he remembers this, but Paul did all the work around here. Lights, camera, action, you know, that would be, Paul's behind the camera, he's, he's cleaning, he's doing, you know, he's, he used to do everything. And I used to say to him, that is just as valuable as the person who preaches a sermon. And somehow that didn't always compute with him, you know. He, he kind of didn't see that as, val as, as valuable. But it is. Whatever it is you do. So this verse says, whatever you do in word or deed, not if you preach, not if you give a testimony, not if you lead worship, whatever you do, in word or in, do, in deed, just do it all for the Lord. Do it all for Jesus. You know, a nice kind word to someone today might be all you need to lift someone's spirit. You've done the will of God today. You haven't had to go out there knocking doors. Maybe that's your thing, and I don't mind that being your thing. But, <laughs> but you need to see your life and who you are and the choosing of God to save you is that people will be blessed through you, not by all the big things, but whatever you do, in word or deed. You know that verse that says, and if you give a cup of water to, to one of the least, you've given... Has anybody in this church, answer the truth, have you ever given a cup of water to anybody? <laughs> We've had builders. You've given them a cup of tea. Do you see... Point I'm making is, do you see how that doesn't count to us as being really important? But Jesus even mentions it. Even if you give a cup of water, I've seen it. The widow who comes in and gives her last two mites, the last bit that she's got, you know, and we're searching because we've left all our money at home, you know, whatever it is. We're, we're looking for that sort of 50p in our pocket that we just happen to have left over in there, you know, and we'll give that in our offering kind of thing. She's given her last two mites and he says, she has given more than all of these put together. Heaven sees it different to the way you and I see it. Whatever you do. So I'm going to just tell you a little story now. I heard it some years ago. 
about the desert. You know the verse, another verse Nick can put up is Isaiah 35, verse 1. I hope it's the right verse, because you know me and verse numbers. I am not Nathan, I cannot remember them, so I write them down, and I write them down wrong. So, <laughs> the wilderness and wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom like a rose. I once saw a documentary on the deserts around Israel, and it was sand, just all sand, and they had rain, and they hadn't had rain here for years, and the next morning, nothing had been planted, nothing had been planted in the sand, but when the rain came, the next morning, little shoots were coming up out of the sand, which means seeds of possibility were in there and would never be seen, never have come up unless the water had arrived. So what they realized was, we can use this. So they brought water from the city and, and into, the, into the sand and watered the sand and began to grow crops there. The desert blossomed. You might be a desert what have I got? Who am I? Dry? I haven't got anything. I haven't got any gifts. We all know the Bible says in Matthew 25 verse 15, to one he gives five talents, to one he gives two talents, and to some he gives one talent. Don't want to, I don't want to tell that story. That's not what it's about. But he gives us all something. But it might be in the sand. And we might not have what it needs for it to come out. What you need is the presence of God. What you need is the Holy Spirit. What you need is the power of, of Christ in your life. That's what makes that which has been sat dormant for years and you never thought it meant anything suddenly come to life. Now, before you start thinking, and I know that that's what you do, oh, maybe I'm feeling the urge then to be a preacher. Maybe I'm feeling the urge, and hey, please, if you are, help. You know what I mean? Uh, or I'm feeling the urge to, to join the worship team, but I'm more sure that there's a lot more people thinking, what have I got? So I'm going to show you some things. Here's a man in the Bible called Jabez. Now, how many people have heard of Jabez? Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something now that you may not have known. You only know about Jabez from the year 2000. Because in the year 2000, somebody wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez. And it went round, sold millions around the world. And now everybody knows about Jabez. Before 2000, if I'd have asked that question, how many people know about Jabez? Not one would probably have put their hands up. So my point I'm trying to make, you'll see in a minute. Can we read this, Nick? It's 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. This is not your Daniel, this is not your David, this is not your Solomon, this is not your Abraham, this is not your Moses. This is not the people who we have a great deal of knowledge about. There's only two verses about him in the whole of the Bible. These are them. These are them. Jabez was more honourable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. Hang on. His name means you're a pain. Trouble follows you wherever you go. You don't have this in our culture. But in their culture, 
they would call their children names which signified either what the family was going through or they would be prophesying what this child's life would be like. She bore him in pain and so she declares to him, you are a man of pain. Fancy, it, Jabed means, Jabez means, um, because I bore him, it means pain. So, if I say my name, Tim, Timothy, means honouring God, that's what, oh, I, I, I have to forget, sorry, um, I move, I forget that I'm on the camera, sorry about that. <laughs> I'm so used to walking off, they're, they're all on, they're going, where is he? Where's he gone? <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> if, if I told you my name meant Timothy means honouring God, right? And if we were in a culture where what the name means was more important than the name, then I would actually be going, going around and people say, what's your name? And I say, my name is honouring God. That's how it, but that's how it worked for the Jews. So when Jabez was asked what his name was, he said, my name is pain. I cause pain. Fancy having to declare that over yourself. So this is his, that's the only bit of his background I can get from that verse. Now look at the next verse. This is what he does. Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. In other words, change my name. Come and bless me. And don't let me be a pain in this world. Let me be a blessing because you've come upon me. So God granted him what he requested. Now I want you to know, for more than 3,000 years, that verse has been in the Bible. More than 3,000 years, that verse has been in the Bible. 22 years ago, somebody read it and thought, that's a real blessing. People should learn how to pray. 3,000 years, it's, never, it's not been made known. And tw in 22 years ago, it goes around the world. Can you tell me a prayer of Moses? Hundreds of them in the Psalms. Can you tell me a prayer of David? One man has two verses. He's done nothing else. He's not mentioned before. He's not mentioned after. And everybody knows because somebody decided to write a book about it. Write a book about the two verses to do with it. My point behind this is not that God wants to write anybody to write a book about it. Right? My point is this. He just wrote down his prayer. Do you think that what you have to do to serve God is something big? What if you're just somebody who just writes down what God said to you? You write down your prayer, what's on your heart. Maybe that gets picked up by someone. Do you know you can buy prayer books, can't you? Prayers that have been written by people. They're actually very good. I'm trying to just divert you a little bit from, it's, it's got to be this way, preaching, worship, evangelism. Maybe you're going to writing prayers for other people to say, is that difficult? Wow, that's just a thought, not a major character of the Bible. But somehow, 
God has used that man. Acts 16, verse 14. I'm just sort of bringing a few people out. Acts 16, verse 14. Now, a certain woman named Lydia heard us. This is Paul speaking. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. What's she known as? Seller of purple? Is she known as a preacher? Is she known as a worship leader? What's she known as? Seller of purple. You might not realise that what you're actually doing in your everyday job, God sees as honouring him. I'm a mechanic and God says, I'm writing about whoever this person's name is, John the Mechanic. That's how you're known in heaven. But the reason you're known is because you're honest, because you do the job right, you charge a fair price, you treat people. And God says, he is showing our love in what he does. He's amazing. I'm trying to bring your everyday life into the area of this is serving the Lord, this is ministering unto God. Everything we do. Remember the first verse, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it unto the Lord because it's really being recognised in heaven. I'm going to le- sort of conclude with um, this, this character. John 4, verses 39 to 42. And I just want to say thank you for the, heeding my request earlier, you know, that just to give a cup of water to um, one of his is, is like doing it to the Lord. So Somebody's moving. There's... <laughs> I haven't realised, I haven't preached for a long time. My voice is really dry, like, you know, it's like, what's going on? At some point I'll share with you my journey, but it's, it's good enough to say this to you. I think we were singing it in that song. Sometimes you have to realise just how much you need him. It's not your strength. It's not your abilities. It's his grace and his mercy that keeps us and, and brings us through. That's lovely. Thank you. I can take the top off. So have we got this verse? John, John 4, 39. <laughs> There you go. Thank you very much. Now, watch this testimony of a woman in, in John, book of John. Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, Jesus, because of the words of this woman who told them, who, who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Let's go on. We're going to go to verse 42. Keep going. Verse 39, verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days in Samaria. Many more believed because of his words. That's one. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard of him, and we know that he is indeed the Christ, the Saviour of the world. That's mega. 
That's mega. A, a, a load of people in this one city believe because a woman gave her testimony. Now, I want to just check that you understand what's going on here. Who in Rowley Regis would have that kind of impact? Who do you know in Rowley Regis who would come and start telling everybody what Jesus did and we'd all believe? Maybe there's about five or six characters that everybody knows in Rowley Regis, which if they got saved, <laughs> you know what I mean? It'd be like, whoa, something's going on, you know. Do you know that that's who this was in this story? She was that woman of that city. If you re- it's the woman at the well, by the way, in case you hadn't triggered it by now. Jesus comes and meets her on his own. A man who's a Jew speaking to a Samaritan and a woman doesn't happen. But he chose her. But here's the best bit. He knew everything about her. And yet he said, I've come to give you living water. I've come to give you life. What she was and what she'd done was not on his mind. What she would be in him is what was on his mind. And here's, the, here's what this woman was. She, he says, okay, yeah, um, go and fetch your husband, Jesus says to her, right? And she says, I don't have a husband. Now, this is really clever wording. If you, uh, please bear with what I'm saying and don't get this wrong. He says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband, right? You've had five and the one that you have now is not yours, So she's had five husbands, but not hers. She's known in the city. I bet she's known in the city. Do you know what I mean? And what happens? Jesus says, of all the people I want to choose, it's the worst. It's the one with the worst reputation. What do you think of yourself? Oh, God could never use me. God could never choose me. We're just the people he wants to come and just say, I just want to give you something that makes you different, that changes your past and blesses your future. And only he can do that. Which leads me to my concluding thought. He offered her living water before she said anything about who he was, who she was. And I want to say that to you When Nathan's encouraging us and encouraging you that God might have a calling and a purpose in your life, don't get trapped in the idea it means you've got to be a preacher or a worship leader. Even your job that you're doing, God might want to put living water in it so that it blesses those around you. That's every one of us then that includes. This is how I want to finish because I think this is important. It's how you meet Jesus that determines your testimony. My experience has been all over my life. The encounters that I've had with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, of what I've determined my direction every single time. My message has been for now nearly 18 years, maybe longer, about encounter with God. Why do I do that? Why do I speak about encountering God? Because I had an encounter with God. You will testify 
you will share determined on the level of genuineness of the encounter that you had with him. He can bless us according to our gifts, our talents, our ministries, and we can use those for him. But the only testimony we have is the one that says, I met him, and this is how he feels about me. This is how he has treated me. This is how much he's forgiven me. This is what he has done in my life. Then your cup of water has a bigger meaning. It's not what you know about him. So if you're sat here thinking, how can I be, give my testimony? I, I don't know enough about the Bible. Okay, that's all right. You might say, I don't know enough about church. I don't know enough about Jesus. I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. I don't, I, you, know, you might say, I just don't know, I don't know. It's not about how much you know. It's about who you've encountered. I wanted to say this last line and then I thought, ooh, some people might go away doubting themselves. But I'm going to say it anyway. Have you met him properly yet? Because that's what makes the difference. You know what my, my experience has been with most Christians who I've talked to for hundreds of years is... They're worried about the way this is done in church. They're worried about the way that is done in church. They're worried about how, how much is this, how much is that. They're worried about how ch Christians treat each other. They're worried about this. They're worried about that. And you say to them, do you know Jesus? What's, it, what's Jesus to you? That's, that has to be. That has to be what this is all about. <laughs> I went to a church. I was asked to speak at this church. Now... You know how we do worship. Steph does worship exactly the same way as I do. She's just amazing, wonderful worship leader. We're kind of what we call free in the sense that we like to encourage uh, the worship. You know, we don't have to do verse, chorus, verse, finish the song. We could sing that whole song, one song all morning if that's what the presence of God is on, you know. So we went to this church and I was asked to preach there. And they said, okay. And me and my wife were sat there and they said, right, we're going to sing... Um, a praise song first, so you're allowed to stand and you're allowed to clap during this. So we sang, I think we sang a hymn that was a little bit more up-tempo and, and people stood and, and we clapped. And then, then they said, well, sit down because we're going to pray. They told us, sit down because we're going to pray. So we sat down and, and they prayed. And then they said, now we're going to do worship that's a little bit more... Um, solemn or, or, or worshipful so we want you to stay seated for this I'm, I'm by now I'm going oh dear <laughs> this is very unusual to me but you know it was just as right for them as, as what we do is for us because the people who are going there love it the people who are in there meet Jesus in that and that's got to be what it's about how did we meet him what is he like to us uh, it's, been, it's been a difficult, I'd say, five, six years for me. But like this last three months, I've, I've really appreciated you giving me the time to just be alone and just recuperate and whatever else I've needed to do. 
But the one thing I've known all the way through it is he never leaves you. He never leaves you. In the darkest of darkest, he never leaves you. And it, I, you know what? I haven't got to come back successful. You need to know that. I haven't got to come back successful and produce and be something. He's with me in the darkest times. He's with me in the happiest times. How else can we testify to people who are disabled and there's no hope and they're not being healed? How can we testify them, Jesus loves you? If he's only with us when it's great. He's with us when we can't handle it. He's with us. And that has to be the testimony. She was chosen. Not because she got a great past, but because she got a bad past. Knowing that what he would do to her would change everything. Not just for her, but for a whole city. That's incredible. Thank you for listening, everyone. It's good to be back. God bless you. Take care.